and welcome to Comically Incompetent. My name is Doug, and this week we're talking about the Guardians of the Galaxy, and I have a damn near perfect beer called Galaxy and Comet that we're going to talk about at the end of the show. So let's just get right into it. My guest this week is a returning fan favorite, third time on the show. Grayson, how you doing? I'm doing really well. I hope I am a fan favorite. I know my mom likes me on this podcast, and that's all that matters. <laughs> that's what matters the absolute most, because my mom likes me on this show, too. So. Really? Okay, yeah. Our mom should meet up. They have a lot in common. They like both of us. They're both fans of the show. <laughs> First time, long time. <laughs> Hello everyone, this is Doug. Quick insert here. While I was editing the podcast, I realized that Grayson had some very loud wind chimes in his audio, so I can't get rid of it. Hope you guys enjoy it, maybe even find it, you know, just a little bit soothing. So, uh, yeah, back to the show. (laughs) So, this movie, we were talking about it before, man, like, I did not realize how important this movie was for later, like, the later MCU until this watch-through. Yeah, this watch-through, because I remember I watched it the first time, and I was just like, oh, you know, kind of weird that they would, I don't know, not going to call it, like, a throwaway movie, but yeah, <laughs> just kind of it the second... It seemed a little out of place. Yeah, it seemed a little out of place. It seemed like we were kind of on a certain, you know, trajectory, and then it kind of switched up, and I was like, eh, whatever, but then I rewatched it, I was like, oh, wait, no, this is actually, like, incredibly important. Yeah, because before I rewatched it, I was like, I was thinking about it, and to this point, we only had heroes we'd see them for. Like, we got, obviously, the first part of Marvel, we got, like, Iron Man, Captain America, once, once they were introduced, we just had them over and over again, and then all of a sudden, we got a complete change in the way that these movies are made, the way the music is put in the movies, like everything was completely just like flipped 180 when this movie came out, and I love it. Yeah, this was my first introduction to even who the Guardians of the Galaxy were. I had maybe a vague idea, um, and then I remember seeing the preview and being like, that looks awesome. (laughs) I am definitely seeing this film. Um, But yeah, it was like our introduction to these new heroes, and we're not entirely sure what their place is going to be in kind of the grander scheme of things yet. Um, We get a much better idea of that kind of what the end of Thor Ragnarok. um, Yeah, like around that time. Yeah, kind of prepping into the uh, kind of final two Avengers films. Yeah, I mean, but I I think the thing that makes this movie like the absolute like in the immediate like top five of marvel is the music oh my gosh dude the music is unreal i still like one of my most used spotify playlists is guardians of the galaxy like just hand-picked beautiful like 70s rock just like absolute perfection all around from the very like first two scenes of this movie um the songs are just like perfectly curated and i know that's something that's typically important to uh our director of this movie, James Gunn, he's kind of got like a great ear for um, soundtracks. Oh yeah. I absolutely love James Gunn. My first introduction to him, I think was when he wrote Scooby-Doo, the live action <laughs> Scooby-Doo movie. Like, wow. How can you get much better than live action Scooby-Doo into guardians of the galaxy and live action Scooby-Doo Two: monsters unleashed that one. Wait, is that the one on the Island? No, that's the first one. You're talking about Spooky Island with Mr. Emil Monavarius, who is actually Scrappy-Doo. Yeah, Scrappy-Doo. My knowledge for this is... Oh, wait, this is the one where they um, keep changing the what they're saying um, on the news. Yeah, when uh, Heather Jasper Howe from Coolsville News says, I, makes Fred, seems like he's saying, I think Coolsville sucks. Do you need a moment? Do you need to just kind of like go on a Scooby-Doo monologue? 
That's a whole nother. Should we change this podcast? Podcasts. Let's just drop <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy and get right into Scooby Doo. I, dude, never mind. I'm not gonna get into it right now. We're gonna do a whole nother show. But basically, I think that Scooby Doo Two Monsters Unleashed is not joking the greatest sequel of all time. But I will get into that in a later show. My okay. reasons are ridiculous, and I understand that. But take a shot if you had this <laughs> Shrek Two. Take a shot See, if you had Grayson mentioning Shrek ten minutes into the podcast. <laughs> not, you did it before five minutes. Yeah, I mean, before pretty on brand. Mark. Yeah, Shrek Two. Okay, regardless. But James Gunn, I mean, his directing is amazing, but he also hit a little bit of hot water there. I mean, he kind of directed um, movies. So he was from he came from writing movies like Tromeo and Juliet, like these kind of like weird movies that were very like the epitome of what a cult classic is and because yes. of those jokes in between the first and second he got completely canceled and fired from the second movie until the whole cast was like yeah we're not going to be in the next one unless you hire him back yeah i mean he's definitely like just kind of looking through his uh filmography the other day because i mean i was very i was familiar with him mostly for kind of his marvel work and kind of his more mainstream stuff, but movie 43, like, yeah, definitely some problematic humor in there, but I know he also <laughs> had some, like, tweets, and there was some other stuff, uh, yeah. that maybe you and I aren't the most qualified people to talk about, but it's good that we at no. least bring it up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We at exactly. least bring it up and kind of acknowledge the fact that, yes, he might have kind of a bit of a problematic past. I'm barely even qualified to do this podcast, so let alone oh, I'm completely <laughs> unqualified, as we saw in our Avengers trivia. <laughs> we're gonna have to do trivia again but we're gonna need to make it a little harder yeah the only thing i know is lou ferrigno hey that stuck with you you got that one i was very surprised by that the ferrigs man i didn't, I didn't know if you guys were gonna get that yes um huh. but i mean just this movie i mean the way that it completely turned the whole i think genre its head because the way that marvel had done it they took themselves so seriously and you saw that in like the heart-wrenching moments of like Thor and his mother and like all these different things that happened up to this point and then you get this movie that completely makes it a joke like yes. the whole superhero genre by having these heroes who are the complete opposite of a hero not in the way like oh Tony Stark's an opposite of a hero but like Rocket Raccoon is like yeah the complete Rocket opposite Raccoon of a hero. is not a hero this movie I had the exact same feelings and you like Obviously, I don't want to jump ahead too far here, but the end of the movie, I just like, I just laughed. I when I rewatched it, I was like, they really didn't give a f <laughs> like not at all. <laughs> they were like making an entire, I don't want to say a mockery, but near mockery of like what it means to like have a superhero movie. And I think that really was a turning point for Marvel. I think they started to maybe see the humor. Um, yeah. more um not just with like tony stark being a sarcastic you know butthead <laughs> but like they're like okay so we can have and you even see it in the casting of this movie like they casted personalities on purpose oh yeah definitely yeah but then like getting into i think it opened up um how they were going to look at thor a little bit more and kind of um allowed them to you know be a little bit more flexible it's not always going to have to be this like winter soldier like you know, intense yeah. film where it's like action packed and like gut wrenching. It can be like fun. You know, that's why people go to the movies a lot of times. I just want to have fun and I just want to unwind. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even what you said, like speaking on the personalities, Chris Pratt coming off of nothing but comedy. 
yeah. to be in this. I mean, Parks and Recreation and just a bunch of other stuff. I mean, he wasn't like super famous, but he had a pretty big backlog. And then you got Michael Rooker playing Yondu, who's a great actor, long history of doing some comedies in there. And I mean, I think what Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. Like that, was, that was great. That's one of those things that like, I remember hearing it was going to be Bradley Cooper and then like watching the movie and thinking that's not Bradley Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't sound exactly. anything like him. How can you go yeah. from Jackson, Maine to Rocket <laughs> Raccoon? Like, but can I talk about the greatest cast of all time? I think I have an only idea. four words in the entire movie. Not just four lines, four words spoken. Vin Diesel as Groot. Vin Diesel as Groot. That, I didn't even, like, it didn't register in my brain <laughs> until the second film that Vin Diesel was Groot. I think I saw, like, a picture of him on, like, the red carpet at, yeah, the, um, there, at the, like, second <laughs> screening. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I invited Vin Diesel to the second <laughs> screening. And then it's, like, the voice actor of Groot. <laughs> like, I what love did the he fact do? That... That they could have had anybody play Groot. All oh. they do is change the audio a little bit. But they got they purposely went out of their way to get Vin Diesel to play Groot. That, to say, I, I am Groot. I'm just going to throw it out there. There's no way Vin Diesel is cheap. Like, he is charging no, a no. premium price for his appearances. And um, I'm pretty sure 90% of the proceeds, or 90% of the ticket sales from Fast and Furious movies go straight to Vin Diesel. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's like Vin Diesel and The Rock. That's one of the reasons I think that they had like the falling out because it's like the two alpha dog personalities and the fact that they convinced Vin Diesel to just say three words for 99% of his lines and then one additional word is like just it just goes to show you the power of the MCU. Hey, but I think it shows the power of James Gunn's writing and the fact that he says three words, and then at the very end, he just says one different word. Instead of, I am Groot, to we are Groot, and, and audiences broke. Bro, I straight up nearly <laughs> cried again. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how powerful it is that he can just say, we are Groot. And everyone's like, oh, God. Yes. Groot, I love you. <laughs> yeah, and even getting beyond just that casting of Vin Diesel, like, how about Dave Batista, a wrestler? Yes. <laughs> like a and he WWE star absolutely killed it perfect for that role hilarious super freaking swole like wow those yeah i mean he looked jack like that there's like jack like the rock is jack but then there's like there's a different kind he's dave batiste jacked yeah he looks like he's been inflated like by helium (laughs) like he is so like just boldly massive i loved him i heard that um so he's he's acted before and people you know kind of gave him a little bit for his acting ability so when he got this, he took it so seriously. He went and got acting classes to make sure that, like, he did this role well. And he f***ing nailed it. Like, he is the perfect Drax. I couldn't yeah. see anyone else being Drax. Oh, absolutely. And even, like, this movie, he was great. I think he was even better in the second movie. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and he gets kind of... he. They don't really give him a ton of screen time in the Avengers <laughs> movies. <laughs> but, like, you know, he always offers, like, a little bit of comedic relief. And I think he just does his role absolutely perfectly, like, from... Oh, just yeah. like straight, like literal sociopath. Like it's so <laughs> funny. I think my favorite line of his in is actually in Infinity War when Tony Stark has the big like cannon on his face. He's like, "Do it, Quill. I can take it." And they're like, "No, you really cannot take it." <laughs> He's hysterical. I mean, I I don't think anyone would have thought like Dave Bautista. Okay, superhero movie. We didn't expect that. But then 
comedic genius and to like yeah. to give those lines such life in this yeah. movie. I think we just need to like run back because I think the audience might have lost track of who was in this film for a second. Yeah. <laughs> we have Chris Pratt, Bradley Cooper, Dave Bautista, Vin Diesel. Like, and it's not a Fast and the Furious knockoff. No, exactly. <laughs> and then going into the, I think the badass part of these movies, Zoe Saldana as Gamora. Oh, she is wow. badass ass she is so good i remember her best before this my like most exposure to her was uh colombiana i believe um oh yeah and she was like super badass in that movie kind of similar like assassin ish role um and she is just like she pulls off green i'm just gonna leave it at that <laughs> she does she, does. <laughs> she pulls off green <laughs> I mean, I remember seeing her, like, obviously, like, Avatar, Star Trek is a yes. huge play to Uhura. I mean, just, she's an amazing actress. I mean, she totally kills in this one, too. I mean, even all the way back to, like, 2003, did you remember she's in Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one? She is in that scene where they're getting, you know, he gets the crew together of, like, the mute guy and all that. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it's bad luck to have a woman on board, but he brings her along because he, like, stole her ship or something. It's a very small oh, role. Oh, yeah, 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 in yeah. The, in 2003, she's in there. She's just part of the... She's, like, one of those actresses that, like, maybe before this, you're like, I know her. But then now yeah, I'm just is, like, yeah. this is her. Like, this is the role I associate her with best. Yeah, and also on the other end of that, we have Karen Gillan playing Nebula. Oof, Nebula. I l- love Karen Gillan. I mean, I've, I'm going to say it a million more times than I've said it a million times. I'm a huge Doctor Who fan, and her being the... Uh, what was it? The 11th Doctor's um, companion... Mm-hmm. Matt Smith's companion. She is amazing. I, mean, I actually, I'd watched Doctor Who after I'd seen the first Guardians of the Galaxy, so I didn't believe that they're the same person. Because she <laughs> plays, like, such a different character than anything I think she's ever played. I mean, even going to, like, um, what's that movie she just did with, like, Jack Black and Kevin Hart in the video game? When playing Jumanji. Jumanji. Yeah. Yeah, even going to Jumanji, like, there's, Nebula's a dark, dark character. With, like, a very intense character. Very intense character. Um does switch up a little bit in the second movie but like keeps like that resting level of like psychotic intense like on a oh, rampage yeah, she's like a constantly path. she's a psychopath um, yeah and then just rounding out our cast we got lee pace there as our main villain for this movie ronan the accuser that is a why does everyone have a the name like drax the destroyer ronan the accuser thanos know. the mad titan <laughs> i just i think the different the more you are like different colors like purple <laughs> blue like yeah just they're like eh, i think i need to add a little pizzazz because i'm not like in your face enough considering i'm yeah. bright blue bright purple yeah ronan is um he's a he's a problematic guy but i mean he's pretty dope <laughs> He's pretty dope. <laughs> he's like, he's pretty dope. That first scene where he's like assassinating, or he like has somebody on trial and just like slams them with his giant yeah. warhammer, and then just like the blood is flowing. I'm like, okay, this guy is on a mission. Um, I don't know if I want to get in his way. Um, yeah. but or I think, the scene where he wakes up in the black sludge all naked like a baby. Yeah, I mean, that was a little <laughs> bit more interesting. At that point, I was like, okay, I could probably take this guy. Um, <laughs> sleeping naked is a psychotic, a psychotic move. Um, but <laughs> he in is an interesting oh, I don't character. Know, man. <laughs> yeah, true. In this heat, I might just be like stripping this stuff off. Um, <laughs> but I do find his motives to be interesting because I don't think we get a clear view of what the disagreement is between his tribe and um, what is it, Xandar? 
Yeah, the Zandarians. The Zandarians. Yeah, the thing that throws me off, though, about it is that he is a Kree, which we meet the Kree again in Captain Marvel, and nobody looks like this dude. <laughs> yeah, like, what? He is completely different, but they do have the brief scene with who I assume is, like, the actual acting leader of the Kree, and they look relatively similar, but the Captain Marvel Kree are, like, completely different beings. Yeah, nobody looked like Jude Law in this movie. I don't understand. <laughs> Unfortunately, nobody looked like Jude Law in this movie. <laughs> um, but, I mean, in my mind, I'm like, I might be able to hear out uh, Ronan here a little bit. I mean, something about those Xandarians doesn't sit right with me. They're utopia. I'm like, okay, they definitely were some colonizers back in the day. Like, there's no way <laughs> they weren't you straight can't trust colonizers. Glenn Close. Oh, I never would trust Glenn Close. The only redeeming thing is john c Riley. i'm like okay he's just got a trustable trustworthy yeah. face that was out of left field him being in this movie how about that one i, I wanted to make sure we snuck that one in before we got too uh, lost in the weeds here but john c Riley, like wow where had he been since like will ferrell movies and a great character in this too like he doesn't have a lot of lines but the, the scenes he's in he's pretty f- great oh he's he's phenomenal i mean he he's just so like i said something about his presence is just so like comforting and you're just like it is, it <laughs> you're is. just like chuckling he doesn't even have to say anything funny and you're just like oh classic i actually met him once you met him was this uh was he already been dewey cox walk hard this was i don't remember it was like 2011 or 12 i think we were at this like function and he uh, his him and his kids were there, and I was there with like my family, and he was dressed up in like this suit of armor, like playing a character for like that, like you know his kids are there. He's doing this kind of bit thing, like it's like a Renaissance fair type thing, and oh. I was like I met him, and he never broke his like Renaissance knight character. <laughs> and he was like hello, and me and my friend were like, you're John C. Riley, and he's like, uh huh, and we took a picture with him. <laughs> Good morrow to you. It was weird. It was like such a weird experience. I don't. But he's super nice. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you could have met him in any other like any other circumstance. That's like perfect. Like him just completely committing to like some bit that like is only funny to him, but like exactly. somehow like it's just so like I don't know. It's just so silly. Yeah, there that were no you just cameras there. Yeah. He was just being himself. Maybe that's what great. he is. Maybe that's like what he does at home too, and like our that's image true. of him is completely different than. Um, who we would never is. know. Yeah, we would never know that he's actually like a big Renaissance fair guy. <laughs> Renaissance. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, the proper pronunciation. One thing I will say about this movie and the writing is that I think one of my favorite parts of this movie is that we have our character Rocket Raccoon. And I don't know how James Gunn did it writing and directing this character. I think a lot of it comes from you know, Bradley Cooper's voice and portrayal. But why do I feel so much more for this raccoon? Like, why does he have such a better arc and throughout this series such like more gut-wrenching moments you feel more for this raccoon than you do for most human characters in the marvel universe absolutely and i know psychologists have studied like that we actually do get more like concerned for animals than humans just because we view them as helpless um for whatever reason but this raccoon man he is like just like the range because at certain points you're just like you absolutely hate him and then at other points you're just like oh my god he is like the most precious little angel i've ever seen in my entire life (laughs) (laughs) but throughout it he never like really changes his personality he's pretty much just like i hate everybody i'm a dick uh and then everybody else just kind of needs to deal with it 
But he's pushing people away. He doesn't want to get hurt. That's his problem. And he loves... I, I love his relationship with Groot. Like, I want a spin-off movie or TV Disney Plus TV series of Rocket and Groot. Like, cool, yeah, we're getting Winter Soldier and the Falcon. That's fun and all, but let's get Rocket and Groot in there instead. Yeah, Rocket and Groot would be far superior to Winter Soldier and the Falcon. I'm just throwing that out there right now. I would pay whatever dollar sum to have Vin <laughs> Diesel and Bradley Cooper <laughs> in their own spin-off television show where <laughs> literally Vin Diesel is only saying four words. I mean, I, I'm in. I'm I mean, in. You, you sold me right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's perfect. Like, what else could... They, they're just going to get into those misadventures. Exactly. Those misadventures, that's what I'm saying. Also, I think this movie has... What is it, our fourth Infinity Stone? Yeah, and maybe the most in-your-face usage of an Infinity Stone. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think, think it's the I, first time we literally just see it in that stone form. Yes, and I think... Um, kind of jumping into the plot a little bit this yeah, is yeah. the most we even learn about the infinity stones from um the collector i believe is the one that kind yeah. of tells the story benicio del toro um yeah it's kind of like a shortened version of the story that uh wong tells in infinity war to tony about you know the six elemental crystals beginning of the universe yeah absolutely and um he kind of talks about you know a little bit of foreshadowing in your face foreshadowing when they're yeah um like oh six people briefly harnessed the powers um but yeah we finally kind of get a good idea of what like to our point earlier like wow this movie actually was super important like, yeah low-key like who knew that guardians of the galaxy was going to be the one where we um get the most information about infinity stones and we um kind of see the power that they possess and then it kind of gives us a better idea of maybe why thanos is so thirsty after these things yeah, and I mean, this is our first time seeing him speak. We get Thanos in this movie a little bit, and he speaks, and it's our first time experiencing, like, like I don't think I understood at the time. Like, I think I knew Thanos was going to be, like, the main, like, baddie for these movies, but I don't think I understood at the time, like, the importance of, like, seeing him going for the stone, like, having Ronan go for a stone for him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we don't, we don't know a ton at this point unless you were reading the comics, like, what... Thanos is like strategy. Thanos is stra- Thanos. 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 His That's strategy. Thanos. Yeah, Thanos. <laughs> what Thanos. his strategy is here? Why he's using these people as pawns? When I mean, we quickly realize um, in his first appearance that he could probably just have gotten the stones relatively easily himself. Um, but why he's using all these pawns? But um, yeah, I think he's just a psychopath. Yeah, I think so. I, I would agree with that. Like <laughs> maybe just a lazy it, it psychopath. It doesn't make sense. Like. The way they set him up for Infinity War is that, like, all he wants is the stones for himself, but then in Avengers, he gives Loki two stones just to go take down Earth. Like, he's just giving these things away. He's having Ronan go get a stone for him, like, whatever. But then, actually, you know what? No, because then we get the end credit scene later, he's like, fine, I'll do it myself. And then he puts his hand in the gauntlet and pulls it out. So I think that... That, that was, like, his final... Point. That was his final tipping point, so he was just using these people as pawns like i mentioned and then he's like eh all right i guess i'll get off this big chair like he's got to be bored uh, he's the mad titan do mad do titans get bored i would think so i mean you got all that power <laughs> every now and again you just want to flex right <laughs> you're just like all right i mean I, he doesn't yeah he doesn't have a nintendo switch how is he passing his time yeah that's exact those were my exact thoughts like he's not even playing <laughs> smash with his homies <laughs> all he's doing is sitting in his big old comfy chair hears from the dude with the weird ass voice like five times a year <laughs> um <laughs> and then he has like these miscellaneous side villains that just come up and are like oh, i can handle it don't worry about it like blah 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 and he's like yeah i don't really think you can but go ahead i guess 
whatever. Yeah, he's very trusting for a villain. Like, yeah. he just lets Ronan go ahead and slap that Infinity Stone right in his hammer, and he's just like, eh, somebody else will take care of it. Yeah, Ronan basically just, I mean, he steals that stone. Put like The thing that confused me, though, is, like, I get he's super powerful, Ronan, but I don't think he could hold that stone for very long. But he held it for a hefty amount of time. He held it for a very hefty amount of time, and it was like... At the end, when he's like, "You're you're mortal," it's like, "Aren't you mortal too? Didn't we just like yeah. learn this?" <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I, I think don't... we've been over it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I don't know. He his kind of that's one of the things that I struggled with a little bit in this movie. But at the same time, I think Ronan wasn't like a super important villain to this movie. I think it was more just about assembling the team more than anything and kind of getting yeah. their personalities together. And Ronan was just kind of like a placeholder for that uh, quest so to speak. Yeah, definitely. What would you say are some of your favorite scenes out of this movie? Like, um, what are some of the like, moments that stick out to you? My favorite scene in this entire movie is the prison escape. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> it is so funny when Rock is just explaining his plan and Groot just like walks over. It just like gallivants <laughs> over in the middle of it and Rocket's like, so we definitely need to get the batteries last and then Groot just like has them and he's like, I am Groot. <laughs> um, and he makes Peter Quill go get the um, the, the prosthetic <laughs> leg. <laughs> I can't believe you did it. I just thought it would be funny. Was he hobbling? Was, like, was, was it funny? He... <laughs> <laughs> was he hobbling around? Was it funny? Um, yeah, so that part really sticks out to me because I think we kind of get a real glimpse about Rocket's, like, smarts. Um, yeah. Because he, I mean, Peter is you know the leader i suppose but rocket is almost like the brains of the operation i would say in a sense he's usually coming up with like the plans um and just like how he can like mend like being super smart with like being a witty like dick is like just so funny (laughs) to me it's so good um so the prison escape um is probably i would say my favorite scene um besides like the entrance of peter quill listening to um <laughs> what song was it again um hey hey what's the matter with yeah <laughs> come and get your love oh yeah yeah, get, yeah that was a great moment of like that was a good introduction to our main character because like we were saying everyone took themselves so seriously like these big introductions are Tony Stark, Captain America they're all these intense like yeah avengers like dun dun, dun and then you see peter quill just crappily dancing and singing to come and get your love that's like that's our introduction to this and character. using like the space rats as like a microphone like <laughs> so funny um and then watching that scene back um in the final avengers movie is just like yeah you just get that same warm feeling just like ah oh, yeah okay this is the movie that i love this is this is for me right here i remember in theaters when that scene happened and he's dancing and then all of a sudden like the music hits and the big, big Guardians of the Galaxy logo comes up. And I remember everyone in the theater just, like, laughing. It got everybody in that theater. And that's when I was like, okay, this is going to be something different than we've seen before. Yeah, absolutely. I think it just kind of brings on, like I said, just kind of this warm sense. Just like, oh, yeah. just I'm just going to have fun. Like, I'm just going to unwind for two hours. I don't have to, like, you know, really just be on the edge of my seat. Like, you know, obviously there's important stuff that we missed probably because we kind of got so relaxed and kind of lulled yeah. to sleep by the humor and the music. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's just fun. Yeah, I mean, there's also there's a lot of, like, Easter eggs in this movie, too. I mean, when we see the Collector and we go in there, it's the second time we've seen him since Thor, um, the Dark World in that end credit scene. There's If you look around his, like, little 
like thing with all the stuff he has. There's so many things to look at. Like he has uh, one of the Chitari from the Avengers. He has a Dark Elf from Thor. He even has Howard the Duck sitting up there, which now makes Howard the Duck canon back in the MCU. Yes. Which I want to know whose choice that was to have Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like one of those just inside jokes with the writers that they're just like, the the real ones are going to notice this. Like, because I, yeah. I totally wasn't a real one until kind of I watched all these movies and then I looked a little bit more into that stuff. And Howard the Duck yeah. is definitely a fan favorite. And they're like, Howard the Duck is the most powerful person in the MCU. Like, it's so funny. <laughs> I've heard rumors, I don't know if it's true, but I've heard rumors that apparently if you look really hard and pause at the right moment, you can see him in that scene in Avengers, in Avengers Assemble, he's there. Yeah, apparently he's I don't know if that's there. true. <laughs> I like to believe it is true. I like to believe he's there, he's helping some in some way. Yeah, I, I um, like to believe he's actually on uh, Thanos' side. <laughs> and he's he like, yeah, he's rooting for destruction and Thanos is just his pawn. What if at the end of all this, we get like a few more like series of movies with Galactus, Doctor Doom, all his big villains, and it turns out that the really big villain the whole time in all these like 50 movies was Howard the Duck. What would you do? Like, would you just stand up and walk out of the theater? Would you clap? Would you cry? I would lose my goddamn mind in the best way possible. <laughs> I would be okay with it because I still got these movies. It doesn't ruin the movies. No. I mean, for me, it wouldn't ruin the movies. It would actually enhance them. Because I would, I would def- be like, oh, finally, like. I didn't have to take <laughs> a Captain real America. villain. Yeah, I didn't have to take Captain America seriously this entire time. Like, imagine the look on Captain America's face had he seen <laughs> this. But of course, he's retired now. Now he's old cat. Yeah, now he's old cat. Yeah, but I mean, what about you? Uh, what were some of your favorite scenes in this movie? I really liked our Stan Lee cameo in this, where uh, Rocket has like his little camera, and he was like, look at this guy. What a pervert. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> flirting with this like younger woman. Yes. <laughs> I love that. So I good. I thought that was fantastic. That was a great... I love that Stan Lee like, knew that that was going to happen. Like They called him a pervert. He was like, yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. Let's get this cameo done. Um, I just... I think the best part of this whole movie is the music. I mean, you have some of the best music. I mean... It and the way this movie affects Thor Ragnarok of the way that it looks and feels and even having immigrant song in there in Ragnarok, but you have like Marvin Gaye, you have Rupert Holmes, you have the Runaways, the Jackson Five. I mean, this is like Electric Light Orchestra. Yes, this is like some of the best stuff that I know. you have in these movies. I mean, this my childhood was growing up. My dad showed me this music as a kid, and this is what I grew up with. And then to have a whole movie basically based around this music, I was like, this this couldn't get any better. It's superheroes, which I love. It's comic book stuff, which I love. It's music that I love. Like, it just hits so perfectly. And you get moments like, you know, singing like Ooh Child at the end, <laughs> dance off to save the universe. <laughs> and references to the 80s that are some of the best. I mean, he's like, there's a hero on my planet named Kevin Bacon, who <laughs> saved a town who didn't want to dance. That scene was so great. I think one of my favorite lines was when uh, Gamora says, Stop it with your pelvic sorcery! <laughs> <laughs> I also love the line she says when like, they crash land, and she's like, We're just like Kevin Bacon! <laughs> yeah, and just like the pure like eagerness in her eyes, like, Oh, relatable, right? And he's like, Yeah, definitely. Just, <laughs> just like, like, Kevin like Kevin Bacon. Bacon. <laughs> um, yeah, so... I would agree. I think this movie and the second movie, I mean, the second movie has one of my favorite songs of all time, uh, which is basically what the entire plot is based around, Brandy. Um, But this movie, like, 
like you said, I think for me, the best musical moment was that opening scene. But yeah. the very end, too, and then getting into him kind of opening that cassette tape, um, just gut-wrenching. Um, and I think, like, you're, to your point, like, it was just so, like, raw. It was, like, perfect. It's, like, what else would he be getting besides, like, the thing that's, like, kept him sane throughout this entire journey, throughout the universe, kind of finding his own way. It's just, like, music from his mom, who, by the way, exquisite taste. Oh, easily. Some of the best. <laughs> Some of the best. I mean, even just, like, I love this, any scene that has to do with the music, I mean, like, when they first get arrested, and they have that guy at the prison who's listening to um, his music, Hooked on a Feeling, Blue oh, yeah. Swede, <laughs> and, yeah, the first time it's Hooked on a Feeling by Blue Swede, uh-huh. and he just tases him, he's like, give it back, like, that's mine, because uh-huh. you don't realize, like, the, like, you realize, like, how important that cassette is to him. Yes. And then he goes back to get it, and he's listening to a uh, Pina Colada Pina song. Pina Colada song. So funny, the escape. <laughs> And I it was funny it, because man. they were escaping prison. Yeah. <laughs> He's exactly. listening to the escape. It's like those little things that like you notice with James Gunn's directing and his music selection that were just unbelievable. Um, besides yeah. that, I think some of my favorite moments were just um, Drax's vocabulary choices. <laughs> like, he uses the term irksome, like, frequently. <laughs> yeah, that line at the end was like, if somebody does something irksome. And I rip out their spine. <laughs> and then and the guy's like, no, that's, that's murder. murder. That's actually one of the worst <laughs> crimes you can do. And he's just like, huh, okay. Or um, Along with that scene, I love Rocket when he's like, okay, if somebody has something, I want it more than them. And I take it. Like, that's stealing. He's like, no, I don't think you understand, sir. I want it more than they do. <laughs> <laughs> so, fu- like, just absolutely perfect. Um, and I think probably my favorite line in this movie from Drax was when... Uh, He's like, oh, uh, metaphors, they just go over their head. And he's like, nothing goes over my head. I'm far too fast. I would catch it. <laughs> I love how literal. Just so literal. You gotta do this. Now, finger across the neck. That means they're gonna kill someone. And he's like, no, you know what that is. And the guy's like, yeah, I know. And Drax is like, I don't understand. He doesn't understand the metaphor. <laughs> then he does, he's like, finger across throat. Metaphor. And Peter's like, kind of, yeah, okay. <laughs> so good. How do you feel about uh, how this movie kind of shows the relationship between Yondu and Peter? Because um, I think we kind of get a glimpse yeah. into it, but it becomes kind of more of a central plot theme in the second film. I think this is a good introduction to it. I think you definitely see... I think after watching the second film and seeing how much Yondu loves and cares for Star-Lord, seeing this movie, the fact that, you know, like, Peter keeps screwing... Yondu over, over and over again. Oh, continuously. And Yondu's whole crew is like, you need to just kill him. And he's like, I'll kill him. But he never does. Like, you always see him, like, he always gets out of having to kill him or doing anything. Like, he doesn't want to hurt him. And you see it how, much it, how much he means to him kind of throughout the movie of, like, no matter what he does to Yondu, how many times he screws him over, Yondu always forgives him. He, even though he says he, like, he pretends like he doesn't, he always really forgives him in the end. Yes, the look on Yondu's face when he opens the orb at the end, and yeah. there's no stone in there, he's just like, oh god, like, kid, boys will I be boys, that. like. <laughs> <laughs> I think Yondu's arrow is, like, one of the coolest weapons in the oh, MCU. Oh, easily. Like, it's so underutilized. So underutilized, like, he uses it more for intimidation yeah. But we see when he's kind of trapped on the ground and he's got like one on 25 and he just like whistles that arrow over and it just like slices and dices every single person and he's just like, all right, sick. And then he uses it in the second one at the very, in the uh, spaceship scene. Yeah. But, like, he really needs to use that thing more because I think it's like Loki, like 
one of the more powerful stealth weapons in the entire MCU. Definitely. I mean, it's it's just it's so cool. His whistle too. Like I'm sure he can't actually whistle like that, but that's a cool whistle they put in there. <laughs> I wish I could whistle. I can't whistle. I can't whistle uh, very effectively. Um, I'm like Peppa Pig. Um, <laughs> that's a yeah. That's a little Easter egg for the audience at home. <laughs> I don't understand the reference. <laughs> Look up Peppa Pig whistle, and you'll understand. Um, I will do it after the show. Yeah, I, there's at least one other person listening right now who is crying laughing because of my Peppa Pig <laughs> reference. At least thought, one. Yeah, me mentioning Shrek and Peppa Pig <laughs> in a Guardians of the Galaxy re- recap is just, I don't know. See, Grayson, this is why I have you on. This is These are the reasons why. <laughs> I thought you weren't going to ask me back after um, I asked if Devil Wears Prada was canon for Captain America. Um, but. See, this is why I need to have you on. The only problem is that we'll get sidetracked too quickly <laughs> talking about other movies that have nothing to do with what we're supposed Absolutely to be nothing about. to do, but, you know, the audience, they're not here for expert movie uh, breakdowns. They're oh. here for the personalities. God, I hope that's not what they're here for, because <laughs> yeah. that's not what I've been providing. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is the wrong podcast for you. Um, See, it, it definitely got worse since I stopped doing, like, scene-for-scene uh, reviews of the movie because they're just too long now. So now we're we're just kind of jumping around saying things we enjoy, which is great. I love it. Yeah, it's got to be more conversational. I mean, what exactly. other things kind of jumped out to you for like importance that you maybe didn't notice at first besides just Thanos and Infinity Stone? I mean, I think the way that the universe was built because this was the first movie we go into space, and the way James Gunn directed it was going to have to be how the rest of the movies then done in space are going to have to be done. And That's so true. it affected the way that we understand the sp- like space. And the way he did, like, the colors, everything is very neon and bright. And, every like, these people, these aliens are vibrant and they're different, but they also look, like, believable. Like, I believe that these aliens exist to a point of, like, not to fault it, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but I like these aliens more than the aliens in Star Wars wow. because I believe these ones. Yeah, I mean, they're all... Not all of them. Most of them are humanoid. Um, yeah, and but they also have the, these defining features that are so interesting. Yeah, they have defining features, like, to your point. I think that, um, for me, that was a big point also. Just the use of, like, colors. Um, yeah. The way it was shot was, like, so beautiful and kind of cutting edge. It, like, really puts the Captain America CGI to shame. Uh, <laughs> well, everything does. Yeah, everything does, honestly. Jurassic like. Park in 93 puts <laughs> Captain America CGI to shame. I think original Yoda <laughs> puts the Captain America CGI to shame. Like, animatronic Yoda. Um, we should have just done animatronic Steve Rogers. Uh, but anyways. <laughs> More believable. Yeah, besides that, I think just like... Like we mentioned earlier, the way that this movie had everybody's personalities working together... Because I think in Avengers, they kind of went for, like, the bickering, like, you know, yeah. kind of duo. But they didn't find the humor in it the way that Guardians was able to find the humor in it. And yeah. some of that might be due to casting. Some of it's due to writing. But I think after this movie, they kind of saw how well that worked. And that's kind of the direction I feel like they pushed the Avengers from then on out. Yeah, definitely. They focused more on a comedy standpoint. I mean, even Ant-Man, I think, was affected by this movie because they yes. realized, like, we can laugh at ourselves. And that was all Ant-Man was, was laughing at itself. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about a casting decision. Paul Rudd. <laughs> Paul Rudd, maybe. <laughs> so, they took some risks in this part. I mean... They did. Siri, yeah. Like, the uh, second um, whatever gen of the MCU was, like, 
I don't even know. Like, they took some major risks with some, like, characters that the audience may or may not be familiar with. They took some casting decisions to places that I didn't think the MCU would go, and it, I, I think it really worked out. I really, really enjoyed this stretch of movies. Uh, one other thing I noticed in this movie that I think I didn't really get the first time was I feel like, in the same way that Tolkien said that, like, Frodo's the main character, but Sam in Lord of the Rings is the hero... I also believe that Peter Quill is the main character, but Rocket is, like, the hero of these movies. Okay. I, I honestly believe that, and I noticed that more in this movie, because when you think about everything that Rocket built and did, like, it's not getting done without Rocket in any of the movies. Even to a point of, like, we go to Endgame, he's the only guardian of the galaxy left, and he holds it together and holds his own with everything and everyone. And yeah. I think he's, like, our fo- like Peter Quill is our main character, obviously. Like we follow him, him his story, the relationship with he yeah, had with his mom, with Yondu, with his dad in the second movie. But I truly believe that Rocket is such a bigger part than I think a lot of people expected in, in this movie, and I think I noticed that more this time around. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because, um, like I said, I do think he's like the the brains of the organization yeah. in a sense, and he's like low-key super powerful we see it more in the second movie when he like takes down every single um ravenger in the forest yeah um but in this movie we kind of get a glimpse at like his technological know-how like how good of a pilot he is um and star lord's more just kind of like the personality i think yeah and he's kind of got the leadership qualities because I think he wouldn't be comfortable with anything besides being a leader. <laughs> yeah. I think in his own head, he's probably more powerful than he actually is in real life. Because I'd probably, if I'm betting on a fight between all of them, I don't. I think he might be coming out last. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. It's like what was that scene at the end of uh, Endgame when uh, Thor gets on the ship, and uh, he's, he's like, Thor's like, "No, it's your ship. You're the captain. Like, you're, you're the leader." And, and he's, he's like, "Yeah, there. you're right. I am the captain." <laughs> Like, he needs to be, like, in, like oh, he needs in his head to be above everybody, above Thor, like, he's the captain. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's what a real man looks like. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, Rocket, I did, I'm not the biggest Sam fan, just because I think he's way too about Frodo. Sam could have just done his own thing, I think. Sam probably should have just carried the ring the whole time. Um, no, yeah, you're looking at me right now. Sam, I couldn't stand the relationship between Frodo and Sam. How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> Sam is a <laughs> hero. The Lord of the Rings is the greatest trilogy. We're going to have to go for it now, and you're wrong, sir. The only thing Sam's good for is cooking potatoes. All right, how do I end the show? <laughs> how do I st- stop recording? We're done. Export. <laughs> Doug's going to come over and fist fight me if I don't stop bashing like his favorite I swear to god if i don't stop bashing rudy who is lining up off sides okay he's not rudy it's <laughs> it's canon it's it's not canon <laughs> stranger things rudy and lord of the rings don't forget uh his part is doug in 50 first dates oh yes with the roided up yes. brother with the lisp <laughs> wow the range <laughs> see this is when we get off topic <laughs> my bad i can't i can't focus uh, I got. I mean, this movie. Benicio del Toro is a collector. I think was a great. It was a great part of this movie too. I mean, we get. A, we learn a lot. We see a lot. He's weird. Like it's he awesome. He's such a creepy guy, and I'm like, that's the guy from the Heineken commercials, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, like I obviously know him from other stuff. But um, him as the collector, I think, was super. Like we've talked about it a ton, but just the casting of this movie, like 
how did they get all these people under the same roof for a movie that I don't think a ton of people were familiar, or like a story, and I don't think a ton of people were familiar with. No, I mean, the, I I'd heard of all the heroes pretty much. I like I'm, I'm you know like we you know I'm a comic book fan, mm-hmm. but then they announced like we're gonna do Guardians of the Galaxy, and I was like, this is the first time I have no idea who the hell the Guardians of the Galaxy are. Yeah, I think which I, I think is talking. also the joke in the movie. Yeah, I think I remember talking with you about this, and I was like, so what what's going on with the Guardians of the Galaxy? You're like, I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, I have no idea. You and Dom were usually my go tos, and um, to your point, I think they kind of played into that like. Guardians of the Galaxy or like Star Lord, um, yeah. When the uh, <laughs> the the henchman for Ronan, I don't remember his name, um, calls him Star Lord, and he just goes, "Finally!" <laughs> yeah, I love that scene. <laughs> One of like, my favorite parts. Yeah, like the scene where in the beginning he's like, "There's another name you might know me by, Star Lord." <laughs> he's like, the "Guy's like, who?" No. Yeah, yeah, I love that's like a little subplot. Outlaws. Yeah, such a great <laughs> subplot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like we've talked about, just the music, the way this movie was shot. Um, I mean, the plot, it was very compelling, and that's why it's one of my favorite movies, but I don't think it was, like, the main thing for me. I wasn't, like, hanging on the edge of my yeah. seat for every piece of action. It was more just, like, fun. Yeah, definitely. It was the most fun, I think, in that way, Marvel movie we've gotten to this point. And I think easily, like, up to this point in the Marvel, from our reviews, top three. I mean, I think it's Iron Man, Winter Soldier, and this, easily top three, uh, to this point. Yeah, to this point, I would agree, because I remember you were asking us about, like, oh, what other movies are you guys interested in? And I was like, Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, I need that movie. Like, that movie reintroduced me to some of my, like, favorite music. Um, yeah, I love the cast. Like it's just, it was just so funny, and like I think it's one of those movies that even non, it's kind of like Deadpool. Like even people that maybe aren't into superhero stuff, like they can find the humor in it. Um, yeah, and I have some friends that like they're like, eh, Marvel movies, blah blah blah. But like everybody sees the humor, everybody can appreciate the music. So I think there's something for everybody in this movie. Yeah, and speaking of movies you wanted to do and music that is amazing, you said this. I asked you what movies you wanted to do. You said this and Black Panther. Oof. Oof. So good. <laughs> so, uh, we think we should have you back for Black Panther. I think the last thing I want to talk about before we start to wrap up here is the end credit scenes that we get, though. Go, go for it. Uh, we get a fun little scene at the end where Baby Groot is, you know, his little twig in a pot, and he starts dancing. He's having a good time, and then Drax looks over and he stops dancing. Yes. And I love that. And I think it's funny because in the beginning, Drax says, like, in the some point, he's like, Drax says he hates dancing. He's mm-hmm. like, dancing is like, he's like, absolutely hates. So Groot's like, dancing having a good time. But whenever Drax says he stops because he doesn't want to, like, offend Drax with his dancing. Yes. And um, I think we, when we first saw this, everybody was confused as to what Baby Groot was. Because yeah. Rocket says, you'll die when he's kind of growing the branches and covering everybody as the ship's going down. Um, but yeah. then we see kind of like a twig, and we're like, okay, what could that be? Like, what's this new plant? Is that Groot again? It's kind of one of those Baby Yoda situations. <laughs> um, <laughs> the child. Like, yeah, you're like, is this Yoda, or is this, like, the offspring? Is this just the same species? And I think it's Groot's offspring, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I don't think it's the Groot that we know. Yes. Like, I... And I think you say also in the fact that when he's like teenage Groot in later movies, he's like, like moody Groot. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, whoa, hey, <laughs> I am Groot. And Drax is like, oh my god, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it's like supposed to be like a, it's not Groot that we know, but it's still like yeah, maybe like close. It seems to have like some of the memories of Groot. But yeah, more not, like yeah. I am cute. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm signing off. I'll see you guys okay. later. <laughs> All right, export. <laughs> Um, that was one thing I did want to go back to real quick, though, is the scenes with Groot when he's, um, you know, saving them, wrapping the tree branches around them. The scene where he creates all those little light out of his hand. Like, yes. there's some seriously, like, powerful but very sweet moments that Groot has. That is, like, why everyone fell in love with him. Yeah, I think Groot is another one of those characters where we don't really appreciate just how strong he is until he does something. Like, yeah. and I don't think anybody else on his team really... And, like, when he stabbed through everybody and, like, was, oh my like, God, slamming yeah. them back and forth, like, incredibly aggressively, and then he just cut, puts them down and smiles, and then the team is like, uh, okay, I didn't know you had that in you, big guy. Like, <laughs> he's, he's, like, low-key. like, a lovable... Yeah. Oh, oaf. <laughs> yeah, he's... Exactly. That's the perfect description for him. Just a lovable oaf. Like, super, like, super powerful, but you don't really know it until he, like, gets angry. Yeah, but he's super sweet. He gives that little girl the flower, or that scene where um, he's, like, trying to eat a leaf off his shoulder. Yeah. He's, like, a Labrador retriever. Like, (laughs) a sentient Labrador retriever. Really? Yeah. (laughs) But, like, and he's so about his pack. Like, these are his people. Like, you see that in the prison scene. Like, these are my people. Like, you have to go through me to get to them, and you don't want to go through me. Trust me. Yeah, he immediately bonds with them and tries to save them, and he's just, he's so sweet, like, he loves them. And that's why, like, you know, we as, like, viewers always fall in love with these, like, you know, lovable characters, like, they may not speak or whatever, but, like, they're not human, and we love them, and think that's something Disney always has done mm-hmm. very well, is creating those characters, and Groot is definitely one of those characters that, like, you, you love him, no matter what he's, he's on screen, you love him. That's all it is. Yeah, like, he's, he's a cute. He's funny, he's lovable, he's great, he's cute. Second movie, oh um, my god, he is so cute. <laughs> he's adorable, little baby Groot baby when he grows Groot. up a little bit, and then even Teenage Groot's great in Infinity War and Endgame. Teenage Groot, he angers me a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, but so he's mo- also great. So moody. Yeah, no, he's great. Um, and then we get another end credit scene, the very end credit scene, where the Collector's sitting there in the wreckage of his destroyed thing after the the uh, Power Stone explodes. And Howard the Duck is sitting there. He's talking like this. You know, he's Howard the Duck. He's like, he's like, because the dog comes up and licks the Collector. He's like, what do you let him lick you for? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the dog? Is that an important character that I should have known? It's like a, I don't know. I honestly should know. Is it like well. the space dog? I... Is it supposed to be the dog that like, yeah we sent to space and it like ended up with yeah. the collector okay it's supposedly like it ended up somehow in nowhere and the collector got it that's so great and i don't I, yeah that's <laughs> i love that the thing about this one too is i've complained about end credit scenes that have nothing to do with like pushing this the mcu forward but this has nothing to do with pushing the mcu forward and i still love it no it's just so lovable like it, it's so cute like <laughs> how can they pack a puppy and baby groot back to well infant groot back to back yeah exactly Uh, but you did mention there was a thanos scene was it thanos scene sorry i keep messing that up (laughs) i keep saying it so fancy (laughs) thanos sorry that's all the french i took um in high school we only (laughs) the only thanos we get is um he's speaking with ronan Mm -hmm. about just getting the stone and then ronan you know like goes against him but it that was our first time josh brolin i think voiced 
Thanos was in this movie. We had yes. Josh Brolin for the first time as the big, big world-ending baddie that will come in later in later in the movies. So aggressive. Extremely aggressive. <laughs> He's like, he needs to chill out. But yes. So, I mean, this movie, like we said, super important for some reason. Like, <laughs> <laughs> super, very lovable. Super great. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to move on to the beer now if you're cool with that. Oh, I'd love for you to move on to the beer. It's 10 a.m. Um, it's time to crack one open. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, we are recording this pretty early. I drank it last night because I didn't want to drink a beer at 10 a.m. Or we start at 9 a.m. Twitter's mentality. <laughs> I've done it before, and I was steadily drunk through the rest of the day, so I'm not, I wasn't going to do that today. That's fair. Um, this beer is called Galaxy and Comet by The Hop Concept in San Marcos, California. Uh, this beer is an IPA with an 8% alcohol by volume. And the reason it's called Galaxy and Comet is because the two main hops are Galaxy Hops and Comet Hops. Galaxy Hops are grown in Australia and more like, kind of like uh, passion fruit and peach flavors. And Comet is grown in North America. And it's got more of like a grapefruit, orange, and lemon kind of flavors. A very, very fruity IPA. And, you know, it's just the name. Like, I, it works absolutely perfectly. Um... I believe that Hop Concept is open, if I'm not mistaken. They have some. I've seen their beers around before. They have some pretty good ones. Um, I've had a couple. There's one uh, called was it Citrus and Piney? I've had that one before, but this one is really good. I'd really recommend Galaxy and Comet. I got it at Trader Joe's. I was just shopping. I saw it. I was and I've held on to this one for a while because I was like, this is going to be perfect for the Guardians of the Galaxy show. Um, it's really good. I'd highly recommend it. Another one, funny enough, Grayson, I was, uh, a couple weeks ago, Chris and I recorded uh, Thor the Dark World. Mm-hmm. The next day, a brewery we use a lot on the show, Unsung, came out with a beer called Thor Mode. <laughs> and I was like, how? The timing. The timing was oh, horrible. So uh, I'm going to go get Thor Mode and hold on to it until Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> All right. That's what I... If I see a beer, I grab it and I hold on to it until we get to the show. This one's another one. Um, you can get it at Trader Joe's at least where i'm at in california uh, i highly recommend it very very good beer yeah i think that about wraps it up grayson thank you so much for being here again man dude it's my pleasure anytime can't be uh can't wait to be back on to discuss black panther um i'm just gonna go ahead and invite myself onto that podcast um, go ahead yeah, you're you more can, than welcome. whoever else you want but i'm on there um <laughs> and uh yeah thanks for having me yeah, no problem. And uh, next week we have Dominic to come on and talk about the end of Phase 2 of me, Age of Ultron. So get excited for that, and we will see you guys next week.